Well, it's good to be with you all this morning in the house of the Lord. And um, really excited. If you were not here last night, I know I say this pretty often, <laughs> but I really am beseeching you by the mercies of God to go and listen to last night's message. I really believe that it's one of the most important messages, 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 messages that I've ever preached. So it's a very intense message, but it is so important right now for us to, to be aware of, of, of some of the devices of the enemy, and we need to, just be, we need to pay attention. So I, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't listened to it, you can listen to it on YouTube, Facebook, Podbean, Apple, Spotter, something, and all that stuff, right? So please go ahead and do that. Also, just want to give a real shout out to Pastor William, who made that video for us, for that podcast thing. What a great job he did. I tell you guys, he's a master of many talents, Pastor William. He's a missionary, he's a pastor, he's a tech guy, he's a video guy, he's an internet guy. I tell you, I had no, I'll never forget the day the Lord spoke to me about ordaining him, it was in a service. And I mean, I just jumped, I jumped up, brought into the stage, I had no idea, I had all these talents. I'm so grateful to God. <laughs> Every day I'm thankful. <laughs> I just want to encourage you to prepare yourself for the Feast of Pentecost this year. I believe it's going to be a time of visitation. Amen. Also, just want to prepare you for those of you that want to participate. No pressure. But we will be fasting and praying the week of, before Pentecost. That whole week we'll be here at 6 a.m. every morning praying. Trusting God, beseeching the Lord to really come and visit with us during Pentecost. So if you want to participate in that, I'm so glad you're all so excited. It's wonderful. Amen. Six to seven, we'll be here. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, and we'll be fasting as well from that Monday night. We'll be fasting all the way to Saturday night. So if you want to participate in that, you're welcome. What type of fast, whatever type the Lord wants you to do. I'm not going to tell you how to fast. You ask God how to do that if you want to participate. We are in the middle of a series on prayer and um, I really hope that it's ministering to your heart. I hope that you are getting something out of it. And I'm excited for this morning because we're going to go a little deeper. We started off um, a few weeks ago just kind of laying a foundation. And then last week we spoke about the Lord's Prayer, the Royal Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And I think that it's so important for us to understand that it's really a roadmap of how to come before the Lord. And that's something that we can do on a daily basis. Many people don't know how to approach God, how they should pray, in what format they should pray. The Lord's Prayer is a guideline of what format to pray. And I taught you that last week, so I'm not going to go into that this morning. This morning we're going to be talking about an, a very important subject in prayer, and that is intercession. Intercession is one of the ways that we as believers are equipped to pray, and we're going to talk about that this morning. I hope you're all ready, and are you all excited, amen. <laughs> all right, so let's go in our Bibles. We'll start at Ezekiel 22, verse number 30. Ezekiel 22, verse number 30. It says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap 
before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. When we look at the scripture, we see something specifically that stands out in verse number 30. It says that God is looking for a man. He sought a man who would stand in the gap. That's what intercession is. Intercession is when somebody stands in the gap. In fact, the word intercessor, let's go to Isaiah 59, 16. The Bible says, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for them and his own righteousness, it sustained him. God was looking for an intercessor, someone that would stand in the gap. Ultimately, he has sent his son, Jesus, who is our intercessor forever at the right hand of the Father, always making intercession for you and I. He stands in the gap for us even now, which is amazing. But throughout Scripture, we see that God is always looking for someone that will intercede, someone that will stand on the wall, someone that will stand in the gap on behalf of a nation, on behalf of a city, on behalf of a group of people, on behalf of an individual. Intercession is standing in the gap. The word intercessor basically means that. If you have a look at its origins, both in the Greek, Hebrew, and even the Latin, it really means to stand in the gap. In the Hebrew, one of the interpretations suggests it's the word pagah, which basically means to strike with force. So it's, it's like constant standing in the gap, aggressively coming before, not in an aggressive way, but, but forcefully coming before the Lord on behalf of something or someone. That's what intercession really is. The Bible says in Colossians 4 verse number 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. The word continue in the Greek basically means to persist, to devote to, to attach one's self to. So you are constantly, earnestly in prayer, coming before the Lord with certain things. This represents intercession when you're doing it on behalf of a situation. Can be for yourself. Most of the time it's for somebody else or for a community or something like that. Matthew 7 verse 7 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, will your Father who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask Him? So praying 
Interceding is asking. It's seeking, seeking God, seeking His will, seeking His intentions, His word for something. Praying and knocking. Knocking is coming before for God. And it's kind of like when there's a door and you need a breakthrough, you keep knocking on that door until the Lord opens that door and gives the breakthrough. Jesus gives us that example that I taught you of the judge and the woman that comes before the judge and she's persistent with the judge and the unrighteous judge eventually avenges her because of her persistence. So it is with us when we come in prayer and we intercede on behalf of a situation. We need intercessors. We need people who will stand in the gap. Pastor Alex, I don't know what to pray for. Well, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm going to tell you and teach you scripturally what we should pray for, what we should intercede for. We learned the Lord's Prayer. We know about prayer in many different ways. But this morning, the prayer of intercession, the mantle of intercession is for all believers. Let's take a look. 1 Timothy 2 Verse number one, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. So he says that we should pray. How do we pray? What are we doing in prayer? We're helping men. We're interceding. What does that mean? Standing in the gap giving thanks for them. That's what we should do. So prayer involves giving thanks. It involves interceding, standing in the gap for someone. Now he's about to tell us what we should pray for when we pray this way. So when we give thanks, when we ask God to help, when we intercede, when we stand in the gap, who should we pray for? Verse number two, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. In the old days, it was the kings that ruled the nations, that ruled the land, the cities, the nations. So it is today that we also have to pray for those that are kings or in positions of authority. The king of the United States would represent the president of the United States. Like him or not, you should pray for him. Instead of criticizing all the time, pray a little more. Let's see what happens. Amen, this president, that president, that's not the point. The point is, is that we are called to intercede. We are called to pray. To do what? To pray for God to help them, to give thanks for them. I know that's not always easy, but that's what we are called to do. And you'll understand why in just a moment. He says, he says, pray this way for kings and all who are on authority. And there's a reason, so that we can live peacefully and quietly, a quiet, peacefully and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. How many of you want to live in a peaceful way? How many of you want a government that will allow us to live a godly life? You see, when government begins to clamp down on a nation, when leadership, when kings begin to make rules that cause us as the church to no longer be able to live a godly way, you better know that there's not going to be peace in the land. 
We want to live a peaceful and godly life here on earth. And so we must pray that our government will allow us to do that. So we pray for them, that they would be touched, that they would be delivered, that they would be saved, that they would not change things so that we wouldn't be able to worship God freely and participate in services and and preach the gospel. You see, look at what he says next. He said, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You see, if you have a a government that doesn't allow us to live peaceably and godly, what will happen is the preaching of the gospel will be suppressed and we will not have and see people's lives get touched and changed all over our nation. So what does that mean? That means that you and I have a responsibility to pray for our nation, for our government, for our leaders, so that we can live a peaceable life and a godly life so that we can continue to preach the gospel because the desire of God's heart is to save all men. So we have to do, we have to pick up that mantle. We have to pick up that call of God to pray for our government. The Bible also says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Remember we spoke about seeking and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the first thing he says there is we must humble ourselves. In other words, we must recognize that God is in control. You know, you, we, want, we want people to change things. The only one who can truly change things is God himself. I was telling the group this morning, you know, when you're going through stuff, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to seek comfort from others. And I was reading a psalm, uh, you know, we, we, we had a prayer meeting on Saturday and I was thinking about one of the psalms, Psalm 91, which is one of my favorite psalms, because it really speaks of how, the God, how God is your protector and how he shelters you and he covers you and he wants to bless you. It's such a powerful psalm. And I was thinking, you know, we can seek for comfort from others, but the one who can truly give us comfort is God. So he's the one that we go to for breakthrough. He's the one that we go to for healing. He's the one that we go to for deliverance. And this doesn't just go for us personally. In this situation, we're talking about a nation. How many of you want to see our nation healed? So he says we humble ourselves. Then we pray. We seek God. We seek the face of God. We turn from our wicked ways. He's not addressing the world. He's addressing the church. When he addresses the children of Israel, he's not addressing the world. He's addressing his people. If you want to see blessing in our land, we, the church, have to repent and turn to God from our own desires, our own strategies, our own plans, and turn to the Lord with all of our heart towards his will and his design for our nation. The Bible says that if we do this, that he will hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our land. Let me make this practical for you. You see, many people have a tendency to, when when they see things going on in our nation that they, they don't like and things are getting bad. And in the natural, I think in some ways things definitely is getting bad. But here's the thing. Our responsibility is to come together 
and to pray and to, and to seek God concerning our nation. Our responsibility is to come and cry out to the Lord to touch our government, to, to give breakthrough in our government, to expose evil plans of the enemy. In the next series, next part of the series, I'm going to teach you about spiritual warfare. How to do spiritual warfare. You are called to do spiritual warfare. If you weren't, then there would be no need for armor in the Bible. But the Bible teaches us that we have full armor. And that full armor is given to you not so that you can look cute. It's given to you so that you can do war. Are you with me? But we'll focus on intercession today. So God wants us to intercede for our nation. Not only for our nation, God also wants us to intercede even just for our city. How many of you would like to see Vero Beach truly transformed and saved and people's lives changed and, and, and homelessness being reduced and drug addiction being abused and crime coming down and, and, and the name of Jesus proclaimed all from the north to the south and the east to the west. We see God reign over our city. How many of you would love to see that? So there, there is a responsibility on us to, to be that intercessor, to be that person that stands in the gap. And the Bible gives us examples of this, even just one intercessor. Remember, the Lord is looking for a man. He looked for a man to see who would stand on the wall, who would stand in the gap and found no one. It's obviously much more powerful when he finds a whole community of believers. Let me tell you something. If everybody in this room made a decision to pray for this city every single day fervently. I tell you the truth right now, within 60 days, we would see massive transformation. If you stormed heaven, if you stormed the heavenlies every day with your prayers, I can assure you God would respond. I'm talking sincerely now, sincerely did that. So let's go and take a look in the Bible at an example of an intercession for a city. Let's go to Genesis 18, verse number 17. Genesis 18, verse number 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that I may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down and now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that, ha that has come to me. And if not, I will not. So God is getting ready to destroy a city. But before he does this, he's going to have a conversation with one of his servants. A conversation with Abraham. Abraham now has this conversation with God. Let's go and have a look. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. 
to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. For be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Can you imagine, guys? Seriously, he's a little bit cheeky, I'd say, right? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? So he said, If I find 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again. Man, he is really something. And said, suppose there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. What is he doing, guys? He's standing in the gap. He's standing in the gap for the city. He's crying out to the Lord and he's saying, Lord, now watch this. This is intercession. Lord, remember what America did years ago when she sent evangelists and missionaries all across the nations of this world. Father, remember that it was America that sowed seeds, the dollar into nations to save nations. Remember, God, that it was America that fed the poor nations of Africa. Father, remember that it was America that stood up for Israel when others did not. Father, remember that this is one nation under God. And even though, Lord, the enemy comes in like a flood. Will you not raise up a standard against her? Father, this nation, America, belongs to you. And we as the church stand this morning and we declare and decree that once again, America will be one nation under God. That's how we pray. How often, as often as we can, bring to remembrance God, he said, Lord, are you not righteous? Are you, would you really want people to see, Lord? Isn't it funny how whenever they talk about death to Israel, they talk about death to America. Isn't it funny how many of the nations that despise the land of God, Jerusalem and Israel, how it is that they always connect America to it. Let me tell you something, church, you live in the greatest nation in the world. You need to know it despite what Satan would have or put out there. Death to America, I speak life to this nation. I speak healing to this nation. I speak restoration to this nation. I declare once again that we will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that this nation will rise once again. And once again, America will send missionaries and evangelists and touch the nations of this world. For this nation belongs to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Don't get mad because I get excited. The Bible doesn't say the effectual quiet prayer of a righteous man avails much. It says the effectual fervent prayer, fervent, passionate, zealous prayer. Do you think when Hezekiah cried out to the Lord 
for more life. For The Lord said, you're going to die, Hezekiah. He rose and he turns to the wall and he begins to cry out to God and says, Lord, but remember what I've done. Lord, remember, do you think he went and, you know, Lord, just, you know, don't forget what happened. And No. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. The enemy, the enemy knows your potential, but he's looking to see what you know about who you are. And as long as you don't believe, he knows he's got you where he wants you. That you will not intercede for your nation, that you will not intercede for your city, that you will not intercede for your family. Who will pray for your daughters and your sons? Who will pray for your husbands and your wives? Who will do it? Who will stand in the gap? Every Sunday when I come to church, my wife prays for me every Sunday. She prays for me a lot more than Sundays, but I actually get to hear her do it in the car. My whole family, we close our eyes. I'm not allowed to close my eyes because I'm driving. <laughs> I try. And, okay, just forget it. <laughs> so we're driving and she begins to pray and she says, Father, I pray that you anoint Alex today. I pray, God, that you give him courage and boldness, Lord. Lord, that it's been a tough week, but I pray, Lord, that you strengthen him now. What is she doing? She's standing in the gap for me. She's got me. She's holding up my arms. She's standing in the gap. She's interceding for me. And, and you know what I love so much? And I hear my children, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. The agreement, one will set a thousand to flight, but two, 10,000. Let me tell you, God is raising up an army in Vera beach we will see this city transformed and changed I tell you right now oh yes Lord you see the interesting thing is first we see how God teaches us to pray for a nation now we see God intercede or use someone to intercede for a city I'm not going to continue reading it but actually it gets down to 10 Abraham convinces God for the, for the sake of 10, I want you to know that there wasn't even 10 righteous in the city. But what God did do was he removed the righteous first before he put judgment on the city. We can preach a whole lesson right there, but we'll stop there. So God will use an intercessor to stand in the gap. You see, you must remember that God's mercy always triumphs over judgment. But the Bible does teach us that there are ministering spirits sent out on behalf of those who have inherited salvation. There are angels that have been sent out. They're waiting to hear the voice of God through you. Where's Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Where's the Holy Spirit living inside you and me? That's why life and death is in the power of the tongue because what comes out of your mouth is so important. But it's amazing how God will even raise up intercessors for just one life. Let's go to Acts 12, verse number one. This is such a powerful story. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Listen, it looks like everything is falling apart. 
One of the apostles have been murdered. James has been killed. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers. That's a lot of soldiers. One guy. To keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Why? Because they were going to kill him as well. Now watch this. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But, everybody say but. Watch this now. Constant prayer was offered to God for him or on his behalf. The church got together. And you must understand that at this time, the church was very much in hiding. So we're not talking about a church like this. In fact, we sort of understand that it might have been a very small church, a home church even, that was crying out, Lord, send help to Peter, deliver Peter, Lord, save Peter. And while they praying, the Bible says, and when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And his, cha his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When, when they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. Imagine they're walking and all of a sudden it's... <laughs> and they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Why was he delivered? Because the church was interceding on his behalf. And when the church began to pray, I didn't tell this to the first service, but when Peter was with Jesus, Jesus gave him a word and said to him, Peter, that you will only die when you're old. It was not time yet, but someone had to speak that word. And the church was praying and interceding and the voice of God was heard and the angel responded to that voice and went into that prison. Man, can you imagine waking up in the night and an angel says, hey buddy, it's time to come and get up. And we, I also think, man, this is a dream. This is a cool dream, but right now this can't be real. You go past one God post, past another God post and you find yourself with a gate opening and you go outside and you stand outside and then you realize, listen, this is real. That's the power of intercession. So we see in this story how God intervenes because of someone standing in the gap for one individual. 
That's why husbands intercede for your wives. Wives intercede for your husbands. Parents intercede for your children. This next story that I want to share with you is not prayer specifically, but we see how someone stands in the gap and how God responds. Just a few individuals make a decision to intercede for one. Watch this. Let's go to Luke 5, verse 17. Luke 5, verse 17. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the, the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now watch. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sons, your sins are forgiven. And we know the story that Jesus heals him. It took a few individuals to take time to be uncomfortable. See, prayer is time. You have to make a sacrifice to pray for somebody. In my years of ministry, one thing stands out above most things. And that is having watched the prayers of a grandmother save a child. Having watched children who don't serve the Lord, how years of prayer, eventually the breakthrough comes. Even family members that aren't saved, how because of someone praying that doesn't stop praying, God steps in and does something supernatural. I know many of you sitting here know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you visit your grandmother. Your grandmother says, Johnny, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Yes, Granny. You don't realize that at night before she turns off the lights, she's on her knees. Lord, I pray for Johnny. I pray you touch him. I pray you deliver him. Father, those friends, those spirits that come against him and try and lure him, not the people, the spirits. Lord, I pray against him in Jesus' name. Give him courage to stand strong. Give him courage, Lord. Let him, let, let him find you. Let him know you. And then what happens is she passes away and years later, he radically comes to Jesus and becomes a man of God. I've seen it happen with my own two eyes multiple times. That's the power of intercession. Well, Pastor Alex, I don't know who to pray for. Brother, just when you get home, look around. There is always someone we can intercede for. And it's not difficult. Stand in the gap for them. Lord, you might have someone in your family that isn't serving God at all. Cry out to God for them. Cry out to God for their salvation. Cry out to God that he will touch them, that he'll send someone to minister to them. Because sometimes family won't listen to you. But he'll, they'll listen to one of their friends or somebody that they trust or have come into a church service and God will get them. That's how intercession works. It is so powerful, life-changing, transformational. 
And I want to challenge you this morning here in Vero Beach. Sunday morning, the church is packed out. So awesome. But you're not here to just fill seats. You're here to pick up the mantle of prayer and intercession. Listen, not everybody will pray for the same things. Not everyone is called to pray every day for the government. It's good if you can do it, but not everyone will do that. But we can all intercede for those that are close to us. And then God will begin to put a burden on you. Some of you don't even know how good you'll be at praying yet, but you'll find out. That's one of the most powerful things. I always say, before you can step into the prophetic, you must first learn how to pray. Because prayer is the foundation for hearing God's voice. And so I pray this morning for each and every one of you that you will pick up that mantle of intercession and prayer. Again, it doesn't need to be long prayers. It can just be, Lord, you know my son. You know my father. You know my my wife. You know my husband. Whatever it is, I bring them before you. I stand in the gap for them. They're hurting, Lord. I stand in the gap for them, Lord. I pray your peace. I pray your strength, Lord. I pray for them. So many times I've been, had a bad situation or whatever, and I think to myself, man, nothing's going to help. But a prayer so many times has the power to just bring a peace that surpasses understanding. And so I encourage each and every one of you this morning to, to begin to use this as one of the ways that you pray. Intercession, standing in the gap. Let's bow our heads. Father, this morning in this place, we are so grateful that you love us so much that you didn't leave us orphans. You sent your Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our teacher, to speak to us through him. You are here with us, Holy Spirit. This morning I ask, Father, that you will put a burden for prayer in our hearts to stand in the gap as your church for our nation, to stand in the gap for our state, Father, for our governor, Lord. We pray for him this morning. Lord, to pray and stand in the gap for our county commissioners and courthouse judges here in Vero Beach and for our mayor, God, we ask you, give them everything they need. Equip them, Lord. Let us rise up as a church and stand and and pray for our first responders that, Lord, you'll protect them and that you'll keep them from the enemy. And Lord, save their souls. They deal with so much. Help us to pray, God. Help us to learn to have a burden to intercede for those in need around us, our friends, our family, our loved ones. I'm so grateful for the... The one thing, Lord, that stands above all is that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us right now. And that because we are saved, He's always standing in the gap for us. And I'm so grateful for that this morning. In Jesus' name. If you've come here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you've never given your life to Jesus. But you say, Pastor Alex, 
I can feel this morning, this is spoken to my heart. I also want to be able to speak to God that way. I want to be able to pray for people that I love. My life is, is lost and broken. I feel alone. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I want to give my heart to Jesus. And I want Jesus to become my intercessor. If that's you and you say, I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning, raise your hand up quick. I'll pray for you. Don't be afraid. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I want to give my life to Jesus. Raise your hand. I'll include you in the prayer. God bless you. Thank you so much, young man. I see your hand in the back. God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Thank you so much. If you've come here this morning and maybe you served the Lord, but your life has gone astray. Maybe you used to pray, but you've kind of stopped praying and you know that you've become dry as a Christian and your walk and relationship with God is no longer what it used to be. But this morning, this word has spoken to your heart and you say, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus today. If that's you, raise your hand and I'll include you in this prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you in the back. Thank you so much. Last call in any one of those two things. If you raised your hand or if you haven't raised your hand, quickly slip it up one more time so I can pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Can I ask you, all of you that raised your hands, don't be afraid. Quickly stand up for me. Quickly stand up. God bless you. Come on, church. Let's give them a big round of applause. Many hands went up. God bless you. God bless you if you stood up. If I can ask you, if you're standing, don't sit down. Come quickly to the front. I want to pray for you personally. Don't be afraid. Come quickly. God bless you. That's it. That's it. God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. So many hands went up. Come quickly. Don't be afraid. That's good. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God, man. Praise God, brother. Bless you. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Amen. Oh, it's a new beginning for you, brother. Amen. Amen. God bless you, ladies. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. There's some more coming. Keep coming, guys. Amen. Praise God. So wonderful. So wonderful. We're going we're gonna to pray a prayer this morning together. Amen. God bless you, guys. And you know what's so important is that when we make this declaration, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved. But you have to make him the Lord of your life. You have to make a decision. And that's what you're doing right now. Amen. Make this decision. Follow through with it afterwards. Listen, I've served God now for many years. I've had ups and downs, good times, great times, bad times, terrible times, but he's led me through it all and it's made life living. It's like I lived for the first time after I really gave my heart to Jesus. And I want that for each and every one of you this morning. But I've led you to the water, now you have to drink. You have to make that decision. And even if you're out there and you, you raised your hand, we're gonna pray this prayer. Pray it this morning from your heart, with all of your heart and mean it. And it will have an effect that will transform your life forever. Let's bow our heads. But you guys in the front pray. Everybody, let's pray with them. Let's say, Father, I come to you this morning. I believe Jesus died and rose again. He is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in the book of life. Today... I give my heart to you. Today, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give them a big round of applause. Amen. If you look over there, there's Pastor Brian. He's waving at you. And if I can ask you, just follow him out. There's somebody behind you. We want to bless you and pray for you and just give you something. We love you guys. Go ahead with him. Thank you so much. Amen. Bless you, brother. Amen. Isn't that awesome, guys? Now, you all know this, but I just want to remind you that there is baptisms. If you want to get baptized, that you've never been baptized, today's the day. No, next week, no, today. <laughs> you can get baptized today. And it's one of the most powerful things. If you look throughout the book of Acts, baptism happened right after they got saved. Well, I'll get baptized when I'm ready. Brother, if you haven't, if you're waiting till you're ready, I'll question your salvation. Because the early church, they begged for baptism. Well, can I be baptized too? Gee, Paul, Peter said, can we deny them baptism? Because they were, the Holy Spirit came upon them. If you haven't been baptized, you must get baptized. When you go under that water, it's a declaration, confirmation, consummation of your faith. You go under that water, you come out of that water, a new creation. You are dead and raised again in Christ. You are a new creation. It is so powerful. I know you hear it a lot because I say it almost every week. But please, if you haven't been baptized, go ahead and do it. It's powerful. Church, we love you so much. Next week is Mother's Day. We'll have the normal Saturday night service and then we'll have a special Mother's Day service. Bring mom and cousins and uncles and nephews and grandmas and everybody. We're going to have a wonderful special service. Now, Omi and the team have worked so hard to put something together for you. And then next weekend, the week after that, we'll continue with our series on prayer. Are you getting something out of it? Amen. Let me bless you. Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. I pray, God, that this word will find good ground in our hearts. Lord, that it would speak to us and draw us closer to you. We love and honor you in the name of Jesus. I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all in this week. In the name of Jesus, amen.